Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Shopify presents Cool Sheets from AHA to Lying awake while you bake isn't cool. I suffered from the wrong kind of hot in bed, heat-induced insomnia. That was my aha moment. Bed sheets that keep you cool. Then I thought, how do I even sell bed sheets? That's when I had the idea that made it all possible. Signing up on Shopify. With the help of Shopify's intuitive online store creator, I started selling sustainable bamboo sheets that keep cool year-round. And my cool idea became a reality. Hot sleepers around the world rejoice. Shopify makes it simple to keep your cool while starting and growing your business. Start selling with Shopify today and join the commerce platform powering millions of businesses worldwide. From aha to anything is possible. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22. Shopify.com slash free 22. Here's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. We're talking uh, football, Super Bowl thoughts, Carson Wentz situation. We're going to talk NBA. We're going to talk uh, a little high school sports briefly. And we have a guest coming on to talk NASCAR and the Daytona 500. That and a little bit more. That's what's cooking on today's Sports Stove podcast. From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove podcast with your host, Vince Stover. Welcome into an all new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast, live on Tiki Live, the Belly Up Sports TV Network, and available everywhere you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Vince Stover, joined by my dad, Dale Stover. Dad, how you doing? Doing good, doing good. Uh, we've got a uh, a little bit of a lull in the sports world after the Super Bowl is now done, and we'll get to the Super Bowl conversation in just a minute. But of course, what's right around the corner, that's baseball season, hopefully. Today's episode is presented by Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live, starting this Sunday, February the 20th at 8 p.m. on the Belly Up Fantasy Facebook and Twitter page, as well as on the Tiki Live app on your streaming television. Kevin Wilson and myself will bring you the latest and greatest from the fantasy baseball world. We start off Sunday, February 20th by ranking starting pitchers and relief pitchers, and all that comes to you at no cost, free, live, Sunday, 8 p.m. Make sure you tune in to Belly Up Fantasy Baseball Live. All right, Dad, we're going to talk NASCAR. I was trying to think. I don't believe that we've talked any NASCAR since the founding of this podcast back in early 2020. Um, so it's a historic day on the Sports Stove podcast. We've got Matt Beamer who will be joining us here in just a few minutes from rambling about racing. Uh, he's actually a racer himself, Dad. He's an eye racer. Do you know what eye racing is? Uh, no, not right off. Uh, it's basically a video game. Uh, but, well, uh, 
yeah, but it's uh, it's intense. We'll talk to him a little bit about that as well. But he's he's going to give us all the the uh, up to date news that's going on in the NASCAR world, especially revolving around this weekend's Daytona 500 and all that is going there. First, though, before we get to him, I want to talk a little uh, NBA. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo he goes for 50 points. But what's more impressive than that, Dad? He goes on 17 of 21 shooting, only missing four shots from the field to get that 50 points. I think back, you know, Allen Iverson, he would go, what, 10 for 40 or uh, 17 for 40 or whatever it would be. Uh, A lot of guys got to get up a lot of shots. Now, Giannis is not a big three-point shooter, but uh, a very efficient night to get to 50, making 17 of 21 attempts. And, Dad, I was wondering, what kind of uh, um, past NBA players do you think could have put up 50 points in, in uh, 21 shot attempts. Yeah, not, probably not a whole lot. That was very impressive, especially with today's game, because even when you say he's shooting inside, it's a very physical game. And, um, you know, a lot of, I see a lot of guys just throw up shots real quick there. So obviously, yeah, when I, when I read that 17 to 21, that's, that, that's amazing. And uh, like I said, you know, he's quite the player. I mean, there were some guys, big guys, I guess, in the past who probably shot for a pretty good uh, percentage, but th- that seems like that that was incredible, especially in today's game. Yeah, I didn't take the time to look it up, but I would assume guys like Wilt Chamberlain, for instance, back in the day probably were pretty efficient, I would assume, in their shooting, uh, considering that so many of the shots were close. Um, the further you get away from the basket, obviously, the less you're going to shoot, uh, less percentage you're going to shoot there as well but I just that caught my eye as I was looking through the news and different things going on as well something else that came up this week we don't we don't get political on this show very often no that's true and there's been a lot of things coming up um in you know in the news and it's going on around that um like I said we we try not to stay out of politics but it seems like there's so many things that come up um you know w- with it even especially during this time you know with the Olympics there's been a lot of talk and a lot of things going on with that um all things being equal I've really enjoyed the Winter Olympics haven't watched a great amount of it but there's a lot I always enjoy it and there's a lot of events. Uh, that I enjoy sometimes ones that maybe wouldn't be the normal ones, you know, ski jumping, bobsledding, things like that. And I think, you know, when you talk about politics so far, the Olympics has gone along fairly well um, where, you know, there could have been a lot of interference and maybe there still will be before the games are done, but it seems like things are going along um, very well there. And, um, again, you know, they're, like you said, in some ways, you know, you talk about uh, politics or you just talk about structure. You, you were talking about the baseball season. It's sad that we're not right on schedule with everything there. Um, but in this day and time, there are just a lot of interference. It like it used to be, boy, you had your sports seasons and you knew there'd be good baseball season, be good football season, basketball season. Now there's all kinds of things that could interrupt that. And, um that's kind of sad from there. But um, like I said, a lot of interesting things in the Olympics as we're recording this on Wednesday night. Later tonight to be a big uh, hockey game in the Olympics with the United States and Canada on, on the girls hockey playing. 
And um, that's become quite the rivalry, and that should be an interesting game there. Hey, sorry, my internet went out uh, there, so thank you for covering while, while I was gone. I'm back now, hopefully for good. Um, so I have no idea what you just said, but I will say my my piece on it nonetheless. Uh, Commissioner Silver brings up the point that Kyrie Irving is not allowed to play home games, yet a visiting opponent can come in unvaccinated and play. Uh, he talked about things are starting to loosen up a little bit in New York, and hopefully the new mayor will make some changes. My My main question with this is, is it surprising that when a star player is not allowed to play, uh, there's a little bit more help <laughs> in trying to get him back on the court versus if it was, you know, some unnamed, uh, undrafted G League player? Would would Commissioner Silver even care? Well, you know, probably not as much. You, you, you don't know. You would like to hope he would because it would help, um, you know, better with the NBA and with the games. Um, as a whole, but no, probably who it is in, in this day and time, who it is makes a big difference in all sports. It always, it, and well, and even in life, right? It, it, and it's who you know in life yeah. that gets you where you want to go. One more thing before we get to our guest today. Uh, Dad, the day I saw in the local news, this is local Kentucky uh, um, information, the KHSAA, Kentucky High School Sports Athletic Association, is announcing it's going to add a one-time transfer option, letting kids transfer high schools one time uh, without any stipulation. Uh, now, there was a big, big controversy this year. A, a local uh, star player transferred schools for the third time, and, uh, and another school not associated with the transfer um, uh, appealed it, won the appeal, so he wasn't allowed to play basketball. Now, he did play football, and he won and was allowed to play football because he didn't play football the previous year. Anyways, it was some big ordeal. Uh, at the end of the day, high school adding a transfer portal is basically what we're talking about here. And this is statewide. This is Kentucky. And I'm sure other states have considered this as well. Uh, your quick thoughts on a high school transfer portal. Well, it seems like that would just be, you know, a, uh, uh, a bad thing, but again, you know, has transfer in high school gone on ever in the past? Yeah, it's gone on as far as I can remember. Um, again, I grew up in Illinois and I loved the high school um, basketball. And, um, you know, there's always been rules that, that, you know, there were ways around things. I remember a team that was in the state championship um, and, and this uh, guy was playing for this team and I think they won the state championship. And it was intriguing to me that they interviewed his sister, um, at halftime and she did not go to the same high school. Now it was a deal where I think a school had expanded and, you know, you could, they made rules where you could stay in the school. But I remember when I first heard that, I thought now, how does she go to one high school and he still stays in this school? And of course, you always heard of people, um, you know, moving around to different schools from there. Uh, had a friend that, um, lives in a town that has a really good high school football program in the state of Tennessee. And he said, you know, they just, just, you just have to know how 
to work it because whenever kids start transferring, then you got parents moving and then you got jobs and then you got things like that. Uh, but this friend of mine in Tennessee said, Hey, it makes sense to me. You need an assistant kicking coach in high school. So, you know, <laughs> those kind of things have always kind of gone on. And um, maybe it's better, maybe it's better to make it up front um, and legal rather than, you know, schools working around things. But on, in the high school level, transfers, you know, people moving into districts has always been interesting. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a hot topic in, in the state of Kentucky right now. Uh, two of the top teams in the state each have three transfers this year. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's you know, it is what it is. And uh, but this rule is going to open things up and then it's going to be absolute chaos, I think, in the state, especially for the basketball teams. But I'm sure it'll affect uh, the other the other sports, especially football as well it's winter time when temperatures go down the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them so don't risk a costly replacement stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the service card appliance repair program from black hills energy it's peace of mind in a plan visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. All right. Well, we'll keep you posted on that and see where where all that goes. It should be a lot of fun. All right. At this time, we're going to bring in our guest for today. He is uh, the host of the Ramblin' About Racing podcast. He's also a world famous iRacer uh, as oh boy. well. And uh, he's the one and only Matt Beamer. Matt, thanks for being with us. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, the iRacing thing might be a little over embellished i should say i'm barely even i race i'm part of the Erska league didn't even qualify for last week's race so don't hold that against me uh, we didn't bring you on to talk i racing but um how do you enjoy it? it it looks like it'd be a ton of fun uh but it's a lot more detailed than than i would have imagined it is a lot of detail. It's a lot. It's a lot of fun. It isn't like the old papyrus video games where you could just plug in a steering wheel and just go with it it's a pay-to-play type of system but it's totally worth it because the way i see it and as you progress through the ranks of the iRacing classes that, that's it classes you get better and better drivers guys who want to race so you don't get those guys who just wreck people all the time but you have to pay for the tracks you have to pay for the cars and you have to pay for the service monthly yearly or every quarter so it, it's it's fun. It's a little bit expensive at first, but once you get into it, it's it's fun. I'm not doing it much these days. Uh, my wife just gave birth to a baby Friday, baby daughter. So uh, yeah, thank you. I'm over the moon about that. Focused on that right now. A little podcasting on the side, and of course, uh, missing the Daytona 500 this year. Going being there actually to mm. spend time with her and my daughter. Yeah, 
That's great. And, uh, you know, we were messaging earlier today and I was listening to episodes, especially the new season of episodes that you guys have out and a lot of great information. So encourage people to go uh, take a listen to rambling about racing. You can catch him wherever you get your podcast. Uh, and then also he's on the Burns Radio Network, which is the belly up uh, and unhinged radio network that is now combined to be Burns Network. And uh, you catch him there. I think it's on Thursdays, right? That you're on the, yeah. the Burns. OK, yeah, it's on Thursday. Uh, Perfect. Uh, let's talk about, before we get even to this weekend's Daytona, let's talk about the LA clash. Um, okay. So I was into racing late nineties in the two thousands for a while. And then I kind of got away from it here the last several years. Uh, I turned it on once and didn't understand the format and was just kind of like, mm-hmm. eh, I'm out. The clash started to pull me back in uh, watching that short track. Uh, the cars bunched up together. A lot of, a lot of action as well what was as someone who follows racing what was your thoughts on the clash and how do you think they they did with it it was good in the sense that it was something different Mm -hmm. Uh, traditionally that race is ran at daytona to kick off speed weeks which is a week-long event Uh, it it takes uh, 24 hours of le mans and you have daytona speed weeks starting with the clash going into the dual races which they're qualifying now for tomorrow thursday and then you go to the truck Xfinity and Cup races to culminate the Daytona 500. It, but the clash is a attempt was an attempt by NASCAR to try something different. And they what and I was a totally skeptical of it until I actually saw the completed product and saw cars on the track. And was it good, successful in the sense that it drew people like you back to the sport? Like, oh, let me check this out again. Absolutely. Is it going to be at the L.A. Coliseum again next year? If there, if I were the betting man, I would say no. But it gives NASCAR the opportunity to move to maybe like a Lambeau field to convert that into a racetrack to see and, and test out markets that necessarily wouldn't necessarily have a track. Seattle, Washington doesn't have a racetrack or Washington State, I should say. Midwest, Kansas has a speedway, but maybe Nebraska, just something, an iconic track, maybe the horseshoe at Ohio State runs or holds a event like that so it was good it was good action i didn't like the mid-race break i'm not a big ice cube. i would like ice cube he's great not during the nascar race yeah. uh, and uh but it was it was good i it was a lot of college kids that we've noticed and i think they just went to like uc usc ucla to hand out tickets so it seemed like because to me, I've never seen women that beautiful at a NASCAR race before. And if you've been to a NASCAR race, it's a dime a dozen. But it, it was it was good. It was fun. Will it happen again at the Coliseum? Maybe not. I'm not a big fan. I wasn't a big fan of it at the Coliseum. Mm. But somewhere else, it, it gives opens the door for NASCAR to test out new markets. It was it was a good race though. Talk a little bit about this new car. Um, I, I listen. I listen to the Dale Jr. download um, religiously. I think it's the best podcast out there. No offense to yours or mine. Oh, it's okay. uh, we're but, trying to climb the ladder to beat him one day. Yeah, uh, I absolutely love the podcast. So they've had a couple episodes where they talked about this next gen car, how it drives, and things like that. So for the uh, novice or the person who doesn't pay attention, uh, what is this car bringing to the sport? Uh, what does it mean for the sport, especially this season? I think it's a turning of the chapter for NASCAR, most definitely. Their focus is on safety and performance right now. They went away with the single-axle rear suspension and made it the independent rear suspension. They got a sequential shifter now, so not the H-pattern, four four forward gears and one reverse gear. 
it's shift up and then shift down, just like your old steering wheel up and down. You have a kind of a rear view camera. One of my, uh, we have did a recording yesterday and one of my co-hosts pointed out that you, they have a camera in the back, kind of like a backup camera where it's an additional rear view mirror. I didn't know that until he brought it to my attention. The, the five lug nuts are gone for the Cub Series. It's just a single lug nut like you would see on Formula One or Indy cars, which it costs a lot of, oh, hey, we're going to, we're trying to be something we're not. It's like, no, the way that the wheel is, it went from a 15-inch wheel to an 18-inch wheel. You're going to need that single lug nut to hold it in place, apparently. I'm not an engineer, so I'm going to go with their words on that one. But it's just a lot of changes. And this happened before back in 2000 and. I believe it was, let's see here, seven, when they brought out the car of tomorrow, it's just a totally different car. And, and you got to evolve with that, especially in automotive sport. It isn't like baseball where you just have a stick ball, nine players on the field, one batter, and that's it. That's the parameter for over 100 years. It, it, NASCAR is ever-changing with technology. Compared to Formula One, NASCAR is back in the Stone Age when it comes to technology. They're coming out with a new car that's probably way more advanced than any type of stock car that NASCAR has brought out. But it's just kind of one of those, it's different. So nobody's really, you know, grasping on, jumping in head first with it, I think. And, but, but, but what, I'm, what I've seen about the car and its performance, it's going to throw some curveballs to the drivers, especially at Daytona where they've never raced it before. Short tracks, we saw a little preview of it with the clash, but not really. I I think more like Martinsville, Bristol, traditional short tracks, and then the mile and a half cookie cutter tracks and road courses. But I, you know, I'm, I embrace the change. I think it's going to be great for the sport. One of the things they talk about with it is it's supposed to kind of bring equality to some degree, level out the playing field as well. Are we still expecting, I guess, the big three to, to run away with it, or is it actually going to bring some of these low-budget teams up to compete with these these the big dogs? I think it's going to give the incentive for people to come into the sport. Floyd Mayweather is in the sport right now. In fact, his driver, if I can pull it up here, I'm following qualifying here didn't qualify the best but it's not where you start it's where you finish at daytona especially with the duels qualified 33rd out of the 42 drivers on track right now that are qualifying for the race so i i think it will bring it up but you will see still see the joe gibbs up there running for race wins you will still see hendrick and you will still see penske penske looks strong all through preseason testing hendrick right now holds the top two spots in qualifying you're still going to see those big teams because they have the the manpower, the engineering, the they have the resources in order to, order to be competitive and stay ahead of the curb, for lack of better words. Yeah is is it going to help at all with the financial stress? Because again, I, I would assume most people understand racing is an expensive sport to get yeah. into, to to maintain, to survive, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, is does this car going to help with finances or? Is it still going to be pretty much the same when it comes to that that aspect of teams getting the money to race? I think that's the goal right now. It is supposed to be easier on the wallet. But at the same time, like you said, performance and people, it's supposed to level the playing field, but people are still going to find a way. These, these engineers are already taking parts and going, I know we can't work on it, but what can we do to work hey they're, they're trying to try to finagle the rules as much as they can and that's in their nature that's nascar that's since the beginning of nascar it's not 
cheating. It's just what does the rule book say? What doesn't it say? And let's go with that. So they're going to try to find that gray area. But as far as impact of the wallet, I don't think you're going to see much of an impact in the wallet because it, although new teams are starting to come out like Floyd Mayweather and all these other independent teams trying to make it to the Cup Series, it's it's going to be – I think it was, we have a saying on the show – We'll have to wait and see. I think we'll just have to wait and see on that because I know right now there is some supply issues with parts. So this weekend's race might not be the typical race because this cars might be going to California in the following week. So do you really want to take the risk and damaging your one and only car or do you want to go for it? I don't, we'll just have to wait and see. Got to weigh the risk and reward. Dad, before we get to the uh, Daytona 500 talk, uh, what questions do you have for Matt? Hey, Matt, good to have you on. And you. I'm kind of like Vince. I really followed NASCAR back several years ago, was in a couple of fantasy leagues and really enjoyed that, but then kind of gotten away from it in the last few years. So interested in your opinion. I'm thinking, and I hope I'm right on this, but I know last year and maybe for the last couple of years, they've added more road races. Yeah. Are they doing that again? And what do you think of that? They are. And, and a lot of that had to come from the, Cookie cutter tracks. And when I say cookie cutter, there's a mile and a half to like Charlotte, Texas, Chicagoland, Kansas, Las Vegas. People didn't want the mile and a half tracks anymore. They, they exploded in the 90s everywhere, it seemed like. But now everybody wants to see the road course and short and the short track racing. I think there were seven on the schedule last year, if I'm not mistaken. And I like three out of the seven. I like the Sonoma, Watkins Glen, and Roval. They did a great job with the Roval. The Circuit of America race got kind of a bad deal because of the rain. It was just a, a horrible show. It was just one of those, nothing could go right. Murphy was alive and well there for NASCAR. But I, I'm not a big fan of road racing. As far as Formula One, love it. That, that's their bread and bread butter. But when it comes to NASCAR, I like them seeing turning left. Road courses are great in the but not don't oversaturate the schedule with the road courses. Keep it to three, in my opinion. Gotcha. Is Bristol going to be a dirt track race again? And what did you think of that? I thought it was good, but again, weather played a factor in that rain kind of hit it, but I thought it was great. Uh, do I think they should do it at the Bristol speed motor speedway, but they use, they have world of outlaws there. They culminate a lot of other events in there, not just NASCAR. It isn't like the Coliseum where they just built a, racetrack and then tore it down but i like the dirt track i like that kind of throwback it throws a twist in there uh do i think every short track like martinsville should go to dirt absolutely not i think it's kind of unique to bristol just like the roval is unique to the charlotte motor speedway but i like i like the dirt track i like to see it again and i think they learn from it and they're going to make changes to make it better this year and we'll just i i'm looking forward to the uh event Gotcha. When we lived in the Nashville area, which was a huge NASCAR area as far as fans were concerned, am I right? Are they having a race there now? Or maybe they had one last year. I'd heard it. Um, they had moved. I think the guy that owned Dover owned that, and uh, they um, they were going to have a NASCAR race in Nashville. Is that right? They are having a race in Nashville. I'm trying to find at the Nashville Speedway, uh, June 26th. Okay. So they're bringing it back. I know they're in talks. I know. I know. Uh, Vince is listening to the Dale Jr. Download. He's a big proponent of the fairgrounds. They're in talks with that. But the Super Speedway there at Nashville is hosting a race in June. 
So uh, again, it's just schedule changes that like, like the car schedule is going to change. Tracks are going to be added. Tracks are going to be taken away, limited to one day. Pocono last couple of years had a double header, which was great, but now it's just limited to one race. And that's just, that's just a change into the times. You, you either jump on the bandwagon and go with it, or you just don't, I, the way I feel. Gotcha. Good. Thanks a lot. Yeah. No Nashville's one of those things, you know, and because I listened to Dale Jr., He's been very active. He's been in Nashville multiple times to meet with the mayor. And and and, uh, and again, the fairgrounds is the big deal for him. And it's going back old school uh, to it. I went to some races there uh, as a young teenager. Uh, me and dad, we were at Charlotte together. We went to a Charlotte race, uh, um, which was a blast. We were in the Pepsi suite. So that was nice uh, air conditioning and, and all you could drink Pepsi products. But uh, then uh, um, never been to Bristol, but grew up in, in Tennessee. So Bristol was a big deal. What would you say, Matt, is your favorite race of the year? What what uh, track or race kind of stands out to you? As, if you could only pick one to go to, which one would it be? Oh, man. I mean, last year I went to nine races, so it won't happen this year with the daughter. I tell you that right now, but uh, that's not a problem. But uh, Darlington, uh, the Southern 500, it, it's two hours away from my house. It's a very traditional race in the NASCAR history just the history of the sport is darlington i feel darlington and martinsville but more so i feel darlington because it's such a tough racetrack it's a egg-shaped oval because of a minnow pond dispute when they were building their track darlington hands down and they have two races a year but i'd say if i had to pick one race out of the two it'd be the southern 500 every year Awesome. Let's talk about Daytona 500 kicking off this weekend. Now, people listen to this or listen on Friday or maybe after. So we're recording this before the duels take place. So we don't have any idea what happened with that. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I'm listening. I'm listening to the uh, Burton Continuum, which is a phenomenal podcast as well. That's from Dirty Mo Media uh, and the Dale Jr. Download. So that's where I'm getting all my information at right now. I'm going to watch or try to watch this weekend as well. Right now, who are the guys that stand out as far as, um, you know, because, again, when I was watching it, it was still Jeff Gordon, Jimmy Johnson, Jr., um, the Bushes, those kinds of things. Uh, and I've heard some different names, but who, who are the guys that you're kind of watching for this season? Uh, maybe the favorites going into the season and then one or two guys that, that could come up this season and surprise some people. If you had to pick a favorite right now, the guy in the hot streak is Kyle Larson for Hendrick Motorsports. He had that issue during the pandemic where he got suspended for a year for using a racial slur on iRacing. iRacing can't bite you, and it bit <laughs> Kyle Larson hard. But redemption is a beautiful thing, and forgiveness and second chances are a beautiful thing. And Rick Hendrick took a chance on him, and he dominated last season, winning the championship in dominating fashion. It, so Kyle Larson's got to be on your – he's low-hanging fruit, but he's up there. The Bush brothers are still racing, Kyle and Kurt Bush. I My pick to win this Sunday's Daytona 500 is Kyle because mm-hmm. he's just so hungry to do it. He's just that Cinderella story kind of like a – and I put him in the same category here, Dale Earnhardt, and a lot of people are like, oh, no, man, you put Kyle Bush. But, yeah, he's the same guy. If he was, If his last name was Earnhardt, people would love him, vice, boo him. He's so good. But then you have the Denny Hamlins, you have the Chase Elliott who are hungry. Hamlin's the veteran, and Elliott's the, still the up-and-comer. I still like, feel like he's figuring it out. But if I had to pick a dark horse in there, 
and there's so many good ones here, but it would probably have to be maybe like a, oh man, it's so tough. Who would I pick if I were to pick an up and comer? Um, Ross Chastain, he just merged with 20, uh, Trackhouse Racing from Ganassi to Trackhouse when they made that merger. It, there's uh, a lot of guys. It's 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 fun to watch. Ah, geez, man. Yeah, or, or Harrison or Harrison Burden. He's mm -hmm. just jumped in. He's a rookie this season in Wood Brothers car, but Harrison Burden's the pro and Penske, uh, Austin Cindric as well. Is they look good. There's a lot of young guys. It seems like in the sport right now, and a lot of second, third, fourth generation guys that are racing yeah. right now as well. A, a couple Burtons. You got uh, Chase Elliott's in there. You've got a number of people who have had whose dads. You know, in my childhood. Uh, their dads were big and famous and and running stuff, and now their kids are in there. And uh, in most cases, their grandfathers race too, but I didn't remember them. But <laughs> nonetheless, <laughs> a lot happened. Not so you picking Kyle Busch for the for this weekend? Yeah, that's that's going to be my pick. Uh, Cinderella story dozens of times, and if it's not one thing, it's another. Finishing second or wrecking out or mechanical issues. But if he if he has any chance to do it, it'd be this year. I feel and. The Gibbs cars, I feel, didn't look particularly good in, in qualifying, and right now that's going on in practice. But practice doesn't really matter. I mean, he's not even in contention to win the poll here. Let me double check. Yeah, only two Toyotas, Hamlin and Truex, are in contention for the poll. I know when this comes out, we'll know who the front row is locked in. But I think Kyle Busch might have a, a great shot. I, in recording the other day, it was uh, other people trying to. You know, we had Greg Biffle being picked. We had uh, Michael McDowell being picked in one last year. But I think Kyle Bush might pull it off this year. All right. Dad, anything else for Matt? Um, no. I mean, like I said, I appreciate it. And, and maybe I'll be able to keep up with it a little more. Is the scoring, is all that the same as it's been the last couple of years where they're doing stages and that? Yeah. Yeah, and that's and that's something too with the changing of the times for NASCAR. I'm not a big proponent of it. I like to see it run out in a good old, get rid of the playoffs and have a accumulative point system to determine a true series champion. But yeah, they're still doing the stage racing, one stage, two stages, and then the final stage, which awards the points, and they're awarding points from first through tenth, ten points for first and one point for tenth at the conclusion of stage one and two. So yeah, they're still doing that. And that kind of, yeah, it was new. It took a little while to grow on, but now it's just part of the sport to me. All so, right. Yeah, I just, oh, go ahead. Yeah. yeah I just say, so I, if anybody's even has an inkling to watch it, I'd say watch Daytona 500 and give it a shot. You know, racing's not for everybody, but I mean, I wasn't a big race fan until 21 years ago when I watched my first Daytona 500 and, Hooked ever since, as you can see behind me. I'm I'm been to over 30 races now. I I'm a diehard fan. I I love it. It's nothing better to me than watching the race. And now I get to enjoy it with my daughter. So, yeah, give it a shot. It's not the ball and stick sport, but Fox does a great job in telling you the rules and strategies and what the technical side of it. And M NBCSN and NBC do the same. Do just as good job. Wonderful. I think I'm back in. I tell you, I, again, I listen to every episode Dale Jr. puts out and it's kind of started to slowly pull me back in with the, some great stories and things like that and great guests. 
and then watching the LA clash, I was kind of like, I like that. And uh, I won't won't watch every race, but I'm definitely going to be back in paying more attention this year. Uh, Matt, this has been a blast. Uh, We're going to try to get you back on later in the season and kind of talk about what's going on. Again, he's Matt Beamer. He's the host and he has a couple guys that join him, but on rambling about racing, uh, podcast. You can find that. We, of course, we'll tag you in social media so you can find it there as well. And uh, and maybe even tune into some Erska I races. Maybe you'll catch Matt. Uh, right, right there. If, I, if I can make the event, it was embarrassing. It was a humbling experience. Those guys, those I racers are good. They they sit down and turn laps. I I no don't even. It was not even worth talking about my experience on there with Erska. Uh, go and listen to the. I think it was episode one of this season. Uh, rambling about racing, and Matt tells a story about getting in, uh, having the wrong car down, ready, the graphics for the wrong yeah. car, all that stuff. It's a great story. It, you'll really enjoy it. Uh, it, it. It seems to be a great podcast. Again, I was listening to stuff today and everything on it. Absolutely loved it. And uh, Matt, Matt, you did a great job. Catch his show, Rambling About Racing. Uh, listen to the podcast. Follow Matt on Twitter. If you're watching us on Belly Up Sports TV, you can see his uh, his Twitter handle, personal Twitter handle, mbeamer22. And then the uh, podcast Twitter, you're going to have to remind me. I apologize. I should should remember it. Yes, yeah, Ramblin' Racing Pod. You can find everything at ramblinaboutracing.com. That has links to all of our episodes, social media, whatever podcast platform you listen to, ramblinaboutracing.com. Perfect. That's the easiest way to do it. Matt Beamer, thank you so much. I, again, it was a blast. We'll have you on again uh, later in the year. Love to talk some more NASCAR with you. Thank you for being with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. And congratulations uh, to you and your wife as well. Uh, that's that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. All right. That's Matt Beamer. He is, again, the host of Rambling About Racing. And, and Dad, I'm excited about racing again. I, it's been a long time. Uh, but for whatever reason, I guess I've listened to enough stuff uh, this year, and now it's kind of pulling me back in. So I, I think I'm back in. Um, I still remember, I don't know if you will admit to this or not, but I remember at one time you were offered Bristol tickets, but you weren't going to be able to go, so you did not retake the tickets. Do you remember this? Yes. Yeah, I, I was offered them, but there were some strings with that, and I didn't feel okay. real comfortable. I was offered Talladega tickets one time, and I couldn't go, and I gave those to a couple other friends of yeah. ours, and they enjoyed those. That would have been fun. But like I said, that Charlotte race – when we got to go and be up in the box. And to me, the best thing about that was we were able to be at the NASCAR practice and be down on the track and um, around the pits. I didn't realize you could do that. We had a pit pass with that. And, of course, we were at what was called the Bush race then on Saturday night. But that afternoon, we got to watch uh, the NASCAR guys, um, you know, warming up and stuff there. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. It was was a good time. Uh, I I still remember that fondly and uh, definitely good. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to break down the Super Bowl. I talked about it on Monday, but we're going to get Dad's thoughts on it here as well. Before we talk about that, though, we're going to hear a quick word about the Sports Podcast Awards. The Sports Stove has been nominated uh, for in two different categories in the Sports Podcast Awards, as well as two other Belly Up Sports podcasts. So we're going to hear a quick word about that. And then we'll be back to talk about the NFL. What's going on, Belly Up Sports fans? Thanks for tuning in to. Maybe. <laughs> Let's try it again. What's going on, Belly Up Sports fans? 
Thanks for tuning in to the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. We have some really exciting news for several Belly Up Podcast Network shows. The Sports Stove Podcast, the Rough Cut Sportscast, and here in Puckburg have all been nominated for a Sports Podcast Award. So head on over to sportspodcastawards.com and make sure to vote for the Sports Stove Podcast for Best College Sports Podcast and Best News and Current Affairs Podcast. Vote for the Rough Cut Sportscast for Best American Football Podcast and vote for here in Puckburg for Best Winter Sports Podcast. Again, that website is sportspodcastawards.com. Thanks for being the best part of Belly Up Sports. We are what they aren't. Welcome back into the Sports Stove Podcast. I apologize for some technical difficulties that we've had tonight, but uh, we are back. And uh, yeah, it's been a weird week here at the podcast. I've done two solo shows this week. Typically, I always have somebody else on or some interviews and things like that. So it's good to have somebody with me again uh, tonight. Let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, the Rams pull it off. They don't cover. I know we don't talk a lot of gambling, but uh, they, the Bengals still were able to cover. But the Rams win the Super Bowl. Matt Stafford gets his ring. Uh, Aaron Donald gets his ring. I thought it was actually an entertaining game. I've heard a lot of people be very disappointed um, by the way the game went, but I thought it was actually a very entertaining game. It was close back and forth a little bit as well. Um, what were your thoughts on the Super Bowl and how it all played out? Yeah, to me, it was a real good game. The fact that it come out close and, of course, living up here with all the Bengal fans, the fact that the Bengals had a chance to win right up to the end really, you know, kept my interest um, there. And it's been funny. The Bengal fans here pretty much have, have been willing to uh, accept the fact it was a great season and they're looking forward to next year rather than really bitter or disappointment, even though they love like to one. But, yeah, I, I thought it was a good game in a lot of ways. Yeah, I you know, I, I don't understand how any Bengals fan could be too upset, right? I mean, it, they weren't supposed to make the Super Bowl, and they did, and uh, had a great season. And they were actually in the in the game, like competitive the entire game. Had a chance to win. Um, I, in my opinion, I if I was a Bengals fan, and I'm not, but if I was, I would be relatively happy with the outcome of the season. It was a successful season for sure. Um, luckily, Joe Burrow's knee injury is not major. He's not going to have to have surgery, so that's good news for the Bengals. And when you look at the Bengals for next year, really they have to focus in heavily on offensive line. Outside of that, you're going to plug and play whatever pieces you lose, that kind of stuff and, 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 and replace. But to me, you look at this Bengals team and even though the AFC is stacked when it comes to quarterback, this Bengals team has a legit chance to be back and uh, you know, regularly if they can shore up that offensive line. Right. Right. No, I think that's true, and I'm sure that that has to be the point of emphasis um, that they're going to do. I did hear some comments um, around, you know, that the the Bengals do not always have a history of going out and spending um, money and really getting free agents and sometimes people they need. But they're to the point now with the team they have um, that the hope definitely is that they will do some things. I mean, I think that some of it can be the draft, but it looks like, you know, one or two good free agents would really turn the offensive line around quickly. A hundred percent. I mean, (laughs) you know, you don't, you're not going to go do what the Rams did, trade all your first round picks and sign a bunch of big money guys, but you do need to go find some guys in free agency. I've said if they can get two free agent offense, starting offensive linemen 
and draft one starting offensive lineman, they should be pretty well set. Uh, but they got to stay healthy, of course, as well. Uh, the coach Taylor, he gets an extension. Uh, obviously, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, are we are we completely confident in Zach Taylor as a head coach in the NFL? Um, I mean, you know, with the year he had this year, you can't really argue with that. Um, and I will see, you know, he, I mean, I don't think coaching was any of their problem. I know I had wondered at early on how that would go, but it looks like he had the team prepared. Looked like he had them in the right mindset. And uh, again, I think the personalities on the team, you know, will come back, you know, hungry and ready to play. So uh, we'll see. I think there's a real real good chance of that. But like I said, it was a really good Super Bowl. I've always been interested in Super Bowls where the defense kind of is in the final analysis is the ones that kind of win the game. And that was true here with Aaron Donald. Um, I think about that as some Super Bowls I remember in the past. It seems like it's always great at the end of the game. You know, they say you have to have a great defense to win. And in the Super Bowl, a lot of times that's kind of the thing that, that ices the game and it did there. Yeah, I've heard Aaron Donald's name mentioned with the likes of Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White and just the dominance that he does on defense, how important he is uh, to that team. And uh, he's, a, he's a super talented guy, that's for sure. And now he's got himself a Super Bowl ring. Speaking of Super Bowl rings, Matt Stafford finally gets his. His stats are pretty decent. Is uh, Matt Stafford, did he just clinch himself a Hall of Fame career? Well, I was going to ask you that, too. So um, I think, uh, yes, I think so. I think he's had a great career. You know, we've talked about he was mired there down in Detroit for so long, and but he was really good quarterback there. And I think now he had the opportunity and he was able to win a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, again, he had a couple interceptions. I think it was that way during the last part of the year. But he was definitely the leader of the team. He was definitely the thing that made a difference. They went and got him for that purpose, and he delivered. And, yes, I, I think I think he will be in the Hall of Fame. I guess my question for you then is, because we had a guy we kind of disagreed on, um, who do you think is better, uh, him or Phillip Rivers? Uh, I would say him. I think he was better than Phillip Rivers before the Super Bowl win. Um, I would have more rather had him over Phillip Rivers at any point in in their careers. Uh, I, I think he's a Hall of Famer as well, Matt Stafford. Uh, I think Phillip Rivers is, is going to get in at some point. I don't know how early it will be in the process, but I think Stafford's Super Bowl ring is is ultimately puts him in. Now, he's not done yet, right? He's still got a couple years at least left, and, and he should be able to add to stats and things like that. I think if he retired tomorrow, would he make the Hall of Fame? Probably um, but I think he'll get in quicker by playing another three, four years um, and adding to his stats and stuff like that, and maybe even getting back to another Super Bowl, depending on what the Rams are able to do uh, as well. But again, you know, Stafford wasn't perfect. He threw two interceptions. The Bengals had less turnovers and still lost the the, the Super Bowl. Um, you know, so Stafford, it, it wasn't pretty necessarily, although that no-look pass, I don't I, – I'm assuming you've seen the replays of that uh, phenomenal, incredible. But, you know, Aaron Rodgers has been telling us for years now, Matt Stafford is an incredible quarterback. He's been doing the stuff that everybody says Patrick Mahomes is the first one to ever do it. Uh, he Rodgers was very outspoken. Stafford's been doing it forever. So, um, 
you know, he's got the respect, I think, of the league. And that's why another reason why I think he is now officially going to be in the Hall of Fame because he got his Super Bowl ring. He may have gotten in without the Super Bowl ring, but I think it's 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 a lock now that he's got the Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I would, would you take you take Stafford over Rivers as well? Yes, yes. When yeah. we had that discussion, I'm not sure Rivers is a Hall of Fame guy, so I was just wondering, um, you know, your thoughts on that. But yeah, I think Stafford um, definitely is, and I think you're right. He's got a couple more years. I'm not sure. Um, how long of career and we'll see where things go with the Rams, but I think he'll continue to play well. Uh, like I said, he, he, he was not the problem in Detroit and he's definitely got a better team and organization around him in uh, with the Rams. Now I'll say this. He was not the problem in Detroit, but he also wasn't the solution. Um, there was some teams that they had in Detroit that I would not know that I'd ever say Super Bowl teams, but teams that should have performed better than they did. And Stafford had a long injury history, and uh, he played tough. He played through some injuries, did some incredible things. And, I, and I'm not trying to disrespect Matt Stafford. But that being said, that, you know, it, it goes to show you that who you're playing with is important and <laughs> makes a big difference in how things shake out. Even if you have Calvin Johnson, you need more than that to win a Super Bowl. And uh, and at the Rams, I, you know, I said it when, when I picked them to win – uh, you know, they just their roster was so good. It's so much talent on that roster, and uh, they were able to overcome even injuries there in the Super Bowl to win against Cincinnati. I thought they were the better team going into the game, but they had also been inconsistent throughout the season. So I thought Cincinnati had a shot, and Cincinnati did have a shot. Uh, at the end of the day, it's the Los Angeles Rams uh, that move into the Super Bowl champions. Uh, something else I want to talk about quickly is Carson Wentz. The reports came out this week that Indianapolis is going to trade or cut Carson Wentz. They traded a first-round pick uh, to get him. He did not make the playoffs this year. He was banged up. He got injured in preseason, all that stuff as well. But it appears, at the very least, that Indianapolis is already ready to move on from Carson Wentz. How surprising is that? Um, it was surprising, I mean, to me that he wouldn't uh, have at least another year. I mean, they did finish really rough, and 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 he was a part of it. I mean, there's games when he, he could have, you know, a couple more plays, and they would have been fine. Of course, they should have never lost that last game. And from what I understand, the owner, you know, it's, it's kind of coming down with, hey, we're, you know, we're not going to have this. Um, so I don't know. I think Carson Wentz will still be a good quarterback if he goes somewhere else. Um, I think, you know, there'll be some question, but I think he's better, um, definitely has potential, but I think he's better than some of the other quarterbacks we've talked about that may move around for a team that's looking for a quarterback. I'd be a little surprised if they can't trade him because, again, I think he's a guy that people would be interested in. But um, I, I read today, you know, there's a lot of financial things there, whether he gets cut or if he doesn't or what it takes for somebody else to sign him and the cap hit. And so there's going to be a lot of a lot of that going on. All right, let's play the game. If you're the Washington, what are they called now? I was going to say Washington football team. Commanders. Uh, commanders, yeah. If you're the Washington Commanders, uh, would you take Carson Wentz or Jimmy Garoppolo? Um, I would take Carson Wentz. I think he has more chance 
to be your quarterback and be there for a few years and be your starting quarterback. Garoppolo has obviously done well, but I don't know that he's a long-term answer for anybody. He might be, but you have to, you'd have to have the right things around him. I think I, to me, I, I would rather try Wentz. So you think Wentz could still be a long-term solution for somebody? Um, I mean, I, I think he could be a starting quarterback for several years and um, longer, you know, Garoppolo to me may probably is more of a fill in. Um, to me, I could see Wentz being the starting quarterback four or five years. I don't know if Garoppolo would be that. All right. I think I know your answer to this and I think it's going to be different than mine, but I'll ask it anyways. Uh, again, if let's use Washington as the example, would you take Carson Wentz or Mitch Trubisky? Uh, I would say Carson Wentz, but you're much higher on Mitch Trubisky than I am, and maybe maybe he he does have some potential. There's no doubt about it. Wentz, I think, is a little more proven, but again, you know, with the way he finished the year, there's questions. Yeah, the the thing I look at with Trubisky is I think Matt Nagy proved that he did not uh, put the offense around the quarterback. Uh, he was going to run his offense no matter what. And we saw it with Justin Fields, it didn't work. We saw it with Andy Dalton, it didn't work. We saw it with Nick Foles, it didn't work. We saw it with Mitch Trubisky, and it, it didn't really work. I think Trubisky, in the right situation, I don't think he can go just anywhere. It has to be the right situation. But I'm still kind of in on Mitch Trubisky. I, I am now, I guess. I wasn't in on him at draft time, but I, I kind of am in on him now. I think there's there's potential that uh, maybe, you know, maybe watch out uh, New York Giants. Uh, he spent a year with Brian Dayball in Buffalo, so keep an eye out there. But I, I think Mitch Trubisky is going to get an opportunity somewhere, and I, I think he might surprise some people because everybody now has such low expectations of what he can be. And I think he can be a legit quarterback in the league, but he's got to be in the right spot as well, the right coaching staff around him. Uh, we're going to have a lot of quarterback talk here over the next several months. Right now, Dad, most people are predicting, I think it's five quarterbacks in the first round, which is crazy considering how weak the quarterback class is. Uh, but we'll talk about that more in the weeks to come as we prepare for our draft coverage and uh, and break down some things for you uh, uh, there as, as well. So uh, uh, a lot of interesting stuff for sure to talk about and what's coming up and and uh, everything going on down there. Uh, USFL is kicking off in a couple weeks as well. We we haven't heard anything as far as rosters and things like that yet with them, but we're going to cover that along the way. Hopefully, baseball they're supposed to be meeting this week again, and you know, hopefully they'll get things figured out uh, there as well. But uh, a lot of stuff coming up, even with the NFL done, the, the the games are done. Now we get into free agency, we get into trades, we get into drafts, and uh, it just gets more fun from here. In my humble opinion. All right. Anything else you want to add before we close out today? No, like I said, I enjoy the off season like you do with football, with things coming up with the draft and, and all that. Of course, we've had the all-star games and, um, you know, people are still filling out their, um, assistant coaches and that. And of course, as Packer fans, we're all waiting until we find out about Aaron Rodgers and then we'll know know how to attack the year. Definitely. Definitely. All right. Thank you to Matt Beamer. 
for joining us uh, on this program. Really enjoyed him. Again, make sure you go listen to his podcast, Rambling About Racing. Uh, go to ramblingaboutracing.com to find more information on uh, that. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Follow us on social media at Sports Stove on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, please like, share, subscribe, review, all those good things to the podcast. Again, a huge shout out to our listeners. Um, our numbers have been absolutely great uh, coming into this new year. January, we tripled our numbers, and it looks like we're on pace to even do more uh, this this month as well. So thank you so much for tuning in uh, and listening and supporting this show. We greatly appreciate it. Don't forget to go to sportspodcastawards.com and vote for us as Best News and Current Affairs Podcast, as well as Best Sports, uh, best College Sports Podcast as well. Well, all right, we'll be back at it Monday. Make sure you tune in for that episode, and uh, we will see you all then. All right, on- looks like we're finishing up here. And, uh, sorry for 